0: You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris.
1: And I'm Stephanie. And if you are new to the podcast, we discuss topics rather than specific episodes, so this is not a spoiler-free podcast. We are discussing the series in its entirety, which as of this recording is the first season. So if you have not seen the first 10 episodes, beware that there are spoilers ahead.
0: And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the theme of motherhood in Orphan Black, and Orphan Black does something that I, I feel is pretty unique in that it actually presents several forms of mothers and motherhood, uh, none of which is particularly stereotypical. So we've got all sorts of variations of motherhood, uh, including a biological mother, which is what Sarah is, a foster mother, which is what Mrs. S is, an adopted mother, which is what Allison is, and a birth slash surrogate however you want to phrase it, it's complicated mother, which is what Amelia is.
1: So let's start with Sarah. As we, we we've discussed Sarah previously in our episode two, there's quite an in-depth conversation about Sarah. And we, we first meet Sarah. The first scene we see is Sarah riding on a train where she's kind of jostled awake and she says a, a naughty word and she gets kind of a scolding look from a mother and, and the mother's child. And so I think from this moment, given sort of Sarah's really punk rock appearance, the interaction between the parent and the child, that maybe the writers want us to think that Sarah is not a mother. But we learn pretty quickly that she is, in fact, a mother. We see very soon in the next next scene where she's gotten off the train that she's on the phone. We learn later to Mrs. S saying, can I see her? Blah, 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 et etc. et cetera. And from that conversation, I realized, oh, she is a mom. But clearly is not... When we, when, and Sarah's the biological mother, but Sarah is not sort of what we think of when we think of the stereotypical
0: mother. Right. And as you pointed out in that episode, even though she does make the mistake of the swear word in front of the kid, as soon as she realizes that she's done it, she does apologize for it. So it's one of those I I think that's also sort of representative of Sarah. Like, she's, like, she's messing up, but she's trying to be better.
1: Yeah, I think actually that's very indicative of her as a mother, in fact, because she's trying to do the best that she can. She sort of wants to be a good mother, but she it doesn't seem to come very
0: naturally to her, I would say. Right. The The fact that it seems like her idea of good parenting, or at least as it was when the series starts, is that she has left her child with her own foster mother while she has taken off to go do we don't really know what with some drug dealer or something like there's
1: drug dealer con artist type. Yeah. Yes.
0: There's, there's criminal activities afoot. And so basically has left her daughter to go do these things or possibly, possibly left her daughter to protect her from these things that Sarah has gotten herself involved in. We don't really know, but
1: right. Right. But she has been away from her child for, is it 10 months or 11 months for 10 months. So she's clearly not sort of the picture of, of a great mother that we, that we usually think of, but Kira is clearly a very big motivator for her. She's a big motivator. When we first meet Sarah, her plan is to come back into town and get together enough money so that she and Felix and Kira can go somewhere together and, and be together and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But as the season progresses, her sort of view of what she wants her future to look like for Kira really changes. But Kira is always sort of at the center of what motivates
0: Sarah's actions in season one. It seems in fact, like seeing Kira with Mrs. S is a large part of why Sarah decides to not follow through with that plan. Because here she sees, oh, my daughter is happy and in a stable environment and i need to I need to be here for her rather than I need to grab her and go so yes, again, Kira as motivation for sarah to to fix herself up basically to start doing right by Kira
1: and I think it's really interesting this idea that even though Kira is Sarah's biological daughter, which obviously there's larger implications of that, given that this is a show about clones, but given that Kira is, biological, is Sarah's biological daughter, I think it is interesting that the writers chose to portray her as not particularly the best mother. Yes. So Sarah's role, even though Sarah is not the, the bestest mother in the world, as far as as being there for her daughter and being sort of a more traditional mother- figure i think her role as a mother is very important in either fostering or sort of causing obstacles in her relationships with several of the characters including allison and mrs s because with mrs s you have sort of a a she has several kind of foster children or or at least foster parent child relationships on the show show because she was a foster mother to both sarah and felix and then she has she has taken kira in And so I think we see the relationship between Sarah and Mrs. S, even though it's not a traditional parent-child relationship, the same sort of tensions are kind of there. I think Mrs. S still behaves very in a motherly way, or at least in a parental way towards Sarah, even though she's not her biological mother.
0: Right. And I think in that relationship, too, there's – sort of your your stereotypical mother-daughter tension kind of thing going on, where they're sort of butting heads. But you can tell that, at least on Mrs. S's part, it sort of comes from a place of being protective. You know what I mean? Like, she's worried about what Sarah's gotten herself into, it seems like. And Sarah's sort of maybe still stuck in a little bit of a rebellious teen kind of phase, and it's pushing back against that. And But then, as we see through the first season – I think the the thing that really brings them together to being on the same side is that above all else, they both want to protect Kira. So I think that that bond of motherhood, that protectiveness, I feel, is really what is uniting them by the end of the first season. So
1: in regards to Mrs. S as a mother figure, I think it's really fascinating that both Felix – well, that her name is Mrs. S, that both Felix and Sarah call her Mrs. S, which it does make sense to a certain extent because she was their foster mother. Foster children don't always call their foster parents mom and dad, but Mrs. S did adopt them, so she did become their their legal parent, and yet they still call her – Mrs. S, which is a very formal title. They don't call her something more warm and fuzzy. So I think this, to me anyway, uh, uh, given that we also learn later in the season that Mrs. S's motivation for taking Sarah in was maybe more politically motivated rather than, or or, you know, needing to, feeling like she needed to protect this child rather than, oh, I really want to be a mom. I really want to have children to me, this says that Mrs. S is, is more protective than she necessarily is motherly. And I think that's fair, because I think we see her being sort of a good boundary setter. And she's warm toward Kira, but she's not quite the sort of, you know, warm and fuzzy, I'm going to snuggle with you in bed type of mother that we will often see on television.
0: Right. It is an an interesting distinction that they've made there. And, and you're right, the fact that they call her Mrs. S is like a big signifier that it's not a traditional mother-child relationship there.
1: I think toward the end of the season, we do see Sarah call Mrs. S. Siobhan a couple of times by her first name. Mm-hmm. So I think that is maybe a suggestion of, of a progression in their relationship, a little bit of the thawing of the ice. But Felix and Mrs. S. seems to have a fairly good relationship, and he still calls her Mrs. S., you know, oi oi, Mrs. S. He That's what he calls her. Yep.
0: And and I think, too, the calling her Siobhan maybe is also reflective of what I was talking about earlier. The, the fact that they've bonded over Kira and sort of identifying this, this same protectiveness that they have.
1: Definitely. I think Sarah comes to see Mrs. S as a kind of a co-parent of, of Kira as well, because it's very clear Mrs. S and she have the
0: same agenda in regards to, to Kira. Right. If any of this takes one step towards Kira, you yell fire and we pack up and leave, or whatever it is she says. Yes. Which I think I have also previously paraphrased, (laughs) semi-quoted in a previous episode. Anyway.
1: So moving on to Allison, Mother really seems to be her main identity, or at least a big piece of her identity as Sarah first calls her when she first sees her, you know, Oh, I'm a soccer mom or, you know, she's a soccer mom. And so she's sort of, I think, the most traditional seeming mother. And yet she's not the biological mother. She's an adoptive mother.
0: But but we still see the same qualities in Allison as a mother that we see in the others in that she's fiercely protective of her children. And she said more than once through the first season that, she says her bottom line is that her children can't know that she's a freak. She says that in one episode, and in another one, she says something about, you know, I just want to keep my children safe, I think is, is what she says. So, again, it's sort of this, this recurring thing of prioritizing the children's safety or, or associating protectiveness with motherhood.
1: And we we see Allison get, speaking of fiercely protective, I think she gets protective to almost a violent extent a couple of times, like when she almost. tases, <laughs> when she tases Vic and, and, and things like that. So yes, Allison is definitely fiercely protective of her children. Pepper sprays
0: and tases. Yes. Oh, I forgot about the pepper spray. <laughs> yes, it was a one, two combo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with Allison, we see.
1: This very sort of stereotypical presentation of a of a stay at home mother she has you know her sewing room or her craft room of terror and and you know her kids are in a lot of activities and she's the coach for soccer and and ice skating and she makes you know she has all of these neighborhood events and the kids get gift bags and and all these sorts of things so she's she's very she's very much the stereotypical stay at home mother at least as we see on television yes stay at home
0: stay-at-home suburban mom, yeah.
1: So thinking of Sarah and Allison's relationship, I think it's in this context it's good to note that a a moment that really seemed to bond the two of them a little a little better given that they you know, their relationship started out pretty rough, which what with the gun pointing and the slapping is when Sarah asks Allison to pretend to be her to go see Kira so that Mrs. S wouldn't basically ban her from seeing Kira ever. And while she was initially resistant, I think Felix really called upon her protectiveness as a mother to talk her into doing it. And then when she did it, not only did she do what she said, you know, go over and pretend to be Sarah and visit Kira, but she got Sarah another visit. So I think that really helped a lot to sort of establish a better relationship between the two of them is is that sort of understanding of each other as mothers and and what as a mother Sarah would would want from uh, you know with wanting more contact with her daughter
0: absolutely and there is that interaction that precedes that where Sarah actually tells Allison that she's a mother and you can tell that that's sort of when they sort of maybe start to get along at all because there's it, as you mentioned, you know, the gun pointing and the slapping and in all that tension that exists. And then Sarah goes to see Allison and and I think it's to give her her money back, right? That scene when she says, yes, cause, uh, that's when Allison has the line about my bottom line is my kids can't know I'm a freak or whatever it is. And so then Sarah, I think comes back with something like, believe it or not, I do understand that I'm a mother too. And you can see in Allison's reaction to that, that Oh, wait a second. <laughs> there's a there's a shift in their attitudes and Dynamic. responses to yeah. each other.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a reaction in Alison that seems to mean, oh, maybe I have misjudged her, I I've missed something important before. I haven't considered something important, and I need to, I need to consider this about about her going forward.
0: And of course, part of that is, as you'd mentioned, the the whole thing about. Clones, because, I mean, clones can't have children, right?
1: Mm hmm
0: So so that's what the big deal is with Sarah. I mean, in addition to, like, the show specifically, it's it's actually like a scientific thing. (laughs) That this is weird that Sarah has had a child. That's right, I said scientific (laughs) thing.
1: (laughs) We also learn that Beth at some point learned that she couldn't have children. So it's interesting that we we kind of know the there's the suggestion that maybe Beth wanted to have children at some point or or at least investigated the possibility at some point, so right Paul says he was there when Beth found that out, so right, which is why he knew that Sarah couldn't be Beth when she's when he when he saw her with with Kira, so plus the scar thing anyway <laughs> <laughs> so then finally, in regards to mothers we've seen on the show, we have Amelia who was the surrogate mother for Helena and and Sarah and Amelia again i we see this common thread of protectiveness related to motherhood because even though Amelia had no biological connection to the to the children that she was carrying no plans to even raise them they were sort of a financial deal they they got her money they got her passage to the UK But when she realized that something might be going on with the deal, she became very protective and ran away with the children and tried to hide them so that they would not become part of the science experiment.
0: And this is a bit of a side note, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it anyway. And spoiler alert for those of you who have not watched Dark Angel, but it's been 10 years and so you've had your chance. This is actually a similar plot point to something that happened in Dark Angel. There was... You know, we we find out at some point during the series that Max, the main character's mother, who also, because they were super soldiers and stuff who were genetically modified and
1: of created course. in a lab.
0: Of course. So they had also surrogate mothers that gave birth to them. And so we find out at some point that the young woman who is carrying Max also at some point tried to escape to save Max, which she didn't actually get to do. But it was a similar point, such that when it was on Orphan Black, I was kind of like, hey, I know that plot point. (laughs) It amused me. Anyway, back to the subject. (laughs) So it's very interesting
1: to me, looking at the, the mothers that we see on the show, Sarah, Mrs. S, Allison, Amelia. I think Orphan Black might be really unique in that the majority of the mothers we see on Orphan Black are not biological mothers. Most of them have no biological connection to their their children. and i I like that the show never tries to make a statement as to, oh, Sarah's the real mother, but these other women are not. It's very much a, a very inclusive portrayal of motherhood, I think.
0: right. They never really make a big deal about differentiating the different kinds. I mean they they tell you what the relationships are, but it's never portrayed differently, really it's not defined by those things.
1: So i think for the other clones even though the other clones we've met have not been mothers i think their this idea of like relationships to mothers are are very important especially for helena obviously.
0: Yeah, helena's quite an interesting as with all things helena's story is pretty interesting here because Here she's got this relationship with Amelia in in the last episode of the season. And it's this sort of weird combination of, sort of like Sarah, she sort of wants to know what the deal is with this woman who, you know, gave birth to them. But she kind of doesn't understand what exactly happened, it seems, because she asks Amelia, you know, how did the scientists put the baby in your belly or whatever did she says to her, and then immediately runs her through with a knife. And I'm thinking, well, Helena, that's a bad way to get answers. But
1: <laughs> Now she can't answer you, Helena.
0: <laughs> it is hard to properly answer somebody when you've got a giant knife wound in your gut. I- I'm guessing, again, I don't actually know. <laughs> no personal experience on my end.
1: But I think that really strong rela- uh, reaction that Helena had to Amelia is partially a consequence of having been brainwashed by by Tomas and his group being told, oh, you're the original, you're the original. So to have this woman come in and just shatter that perception of herself, I I think is what provoked that very, obviously very extreme reaction
0: in her. Yeah, it doesn't get much more extreme than than that. And it's one of those things like, it's just poor Helena. And I mean, how many times does that happen where you see somebody – run somebody through with a knife, and, and you think, poor them. <laughs> but I do. I, I At that moment, I'm more poor Amelia than poor Helena. But I still feel bad for Helena.
1: And I think we also see in Helena a really interesting reaction
0: to Kira's letters that she finds in Sarah's jacket. Helena's reaction is really interesting to Kira's letters to Sarah. And it is one of those things you just – well you were talking about her reaction to Amelia and that shattering her perceptions, and I kind of feel like this is an earlier version of that where i I don't know exactly what it is about those letters, but something about it seems to just completely mess with Helena because she's so she becomes so obsessed with them and I, I don't know if it's her perception of Sarah or if it's her perception of herself I I'm not sure what it is, but it seems like finding those letters just completely messed her up even more. So I think it's
1: a couple of things. As we discussed two episodes ago when we talked about Helena, it is very clear that she grew up in a very imbu- abusive environment. So I think it is very likely that she did not have that sort of parental affection or sort of affection for a parent that she sees in kira's letters and so i think that that really touches her as as a very wounded person who did not have that sort of relationship so i think that's the first thing and then i think the second thing also relates back to tomas and his group telling her that she's the original because if she thinks that all of these women are copies of her I think probably there's a certain amount of feeling like Kira is her own daughter, since she is the offspring of, of what her, Helena perceives to be a copy of herself.
0: Right. And yeah, the the sort of ongoing theme of Helena of a childhood lost or, or a childhood that she never actually got to experience. So as we saw in episode, I want to say four, right? With, with the little kid, Helena had made him the cootie catcher or whatever you want to call them, little folded up paper things with the drawings on them. The creepy, creepy drawings. Actually, the drawings weren't as creepy as the blood spatters on them. But anyway, again, it's sort of that representation of the childhood that Helena never got to have. So perhaps seeing this sort of more typical, loving, as you mentioned, loving representation of, of childhood. Childhood as it should be, really sort of, you can see how that would sort of, you know, conf- Evo- evoke a, a reaction in yes. her. Thank you. You're welcome. That is what I was going for. And we could sort of see that too later in her interactions with Kira when, when she sort of very creepily sneaks up to the door and takes Kira with her and all their interactions in that alley where she's, it's sort of this interesting dynamic where it's part motherly, but part, sort of peer almost because Helena is sort of childlike still, but, but again, you sort of get that protectiveness from Helena even towards Kira because she's going to go take her to Tomas, which the very thought of which just chills me to the bone, but, but instead realizes that she needs to send her back to Sarah. So we won't discuss what happens next.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think especially in that moment where, Kira asks Helena what happened to her. Kira seems more adult than Helena does. You know, when Helena asks her, oh, oh can you find your way back? And Kira says, oh, of course I can. You know, she seems older than Helena to a certain extent in that moment, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that. that's another interesting thing about Kira, though, is how how adult she often is. Adult and perceptive. Yes, far more so than Helena seems to be. But,
1: But... I think an extension of that we see in Helena and Mrs. S and Sarah, and really, I think all of the clones and, and even many of the of the other characters who are not clones, this just revering of, of Kira, just finding Kira to be a very prized person, somebody who needs to be protective, uh, you know, you, <laughs> the way that you put it in, in our notes was the one thing that Clone Club seems to always agree on is nobody messes with the kids. Nobody messes with Kira. Right.
0: And that is one of those, I I think I find it kind of interesting because Cosima, as far as we know, hasn't actually met Kira, right? And and still, as soon as she finds out that Delphine has found her notes, she's, her first reaction is basically, do whatever you want to me, but you leave that little girl alone. And of course, we find out, or we found out when Delphine was reading the list off to leaky. Delphine also protects Kira, having no f- previous knowledge of her so so there is this sort of ongoing theme of protectiveness towards the children, whether a mother or not and
1: I think it's interesting that we don't really see Kasima have really all that much concern for the the well-being of the other clones, like when they find out that Beth has died. Kasim is a little upset about it, but she's not really all that phased. but she's so protective of Kira that it's very, it stands out a lot. Not to say that Kasim is like uncaring and nonchalant, but she really gets fiercely protected of Kira in a way that we don't see her be of the other clones.
0: Well, her reaction to finding out that Katya has been murdered was basically like, well, get her blood and hair samples and then dig a grave for.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you're the exactly. cop by a
0: shovel. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> Which is a little you know, she's- disconcerting. <laughs> she, you know, and she was, she was concerned, like, oh my gosh, it's true, they are killing us off, but it's more concerned for herself, I guess, as well as, as maybe the, I don't know. But yeah, she, she's not a terribly protective person otherwise, but she, she is very protective of Kira, I think.
0: Yes. It's really the one thing that pretty much everybody, or all of our heroes or people that are maybe supposed to be heroes, <laughs> agree on. Don't mess with Kira. Maybe that's why we're suspicious of Paul, because Paul seemed to be willing to, to use Kira as leverage against Sarah at one point. It's
1: true, but he he did, when she had been injured, he did bring her puzzles and books,
0: which was sweet. That is true. I'm just saying that in the middle there, he seemed willing yes. to, to do that, which is maybe why we're holding out, <laughs> holding out <laughs> in, in terms of trusting Paul.
1: Yes, yes. So as I was thinking about this overwhelming theme of motherhood on the, in, in the show, part of me, because I, I identify as a feminist, and I tend to be very against sort of essentialism, this idea that men are this way and women are this way, and I get annoyed when when female characters only seem to have storylines related to children and or romantic interests. But I think the show is not that. Even though we have all these mothers on the show, that is not their primary storyline. I think their being parents really influences how they behave in certain situations, but that's not the bulk of sort of what's going on for these women. And I think it's interesting that the show shows particularly Felix being a very parental figure toward Kira, and he's a male character. I think we, we see him interact with, with Kira in a very sweet, sort of tender way. Maybe not quite parental, maybe more big brotherly, but he still has a a very prominent presence in Kira's life, even though he's not her biological parent.
0: Yeah, I do think that is one of those things, because as we mentioned, I think, in one of the previous episodes, Felix is sort of arguably a better parent to Kira than, than Sarah has been. Or at least he seems to come off that way in in the scenes that we've seen of them together.
1: And while I'm not entirely sure about Donnie yet, because I don't quite feel like I understand all of his motivations, I think there is a suggestion that Donnie's role as a parent is important to him, too. Because I think we see especially a reaction in him when Sarah, as Allison, yells at him for being such a jerk to Allison. And I think we do see in Donnie a desire to at least sort of keep his role with his children intact.
0: Hmm. I just don't know. I I never know about Donnie, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell about Donnie, but he does seem to be, I think, I think affected by, by Sarah talking about, you know, think of your kids and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So I don't know. Again, it's hard to tell with Donnie, but I do like that that is something that is that she brings up with him, that there's not this assumption that because he's a, a a father rather than a mother, that his children wouldn't be important to him.
0: Right. Or maybe he was just terrified that Allison was finally going to snap. <laughs> this is true, too. And part of the reason I even wanted to do this episode was there's a, a really interesting, well-thought-out article written by Dr. Shiblago, and I will put a link to that in the show notes for Episode 8 on TatianaIsEveryone.com. And while you're over there, you can leave us
1: some feedback. You can leave a comment on the show notes, or you could also email us directly at feedback at Tatiana is or you can call and leave us a voice message on our listener voicemail line. That number is 972-514-7223. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are T I E podcast. If you have any suggestions for topics we should cover in future podcast episodes, you can let us know through any of the ways that we just mentioned. And if you're interested in being on the podcast to talk about one of those topics, we would love to have you. You can also let us know that, too, when you email us with suggestions.
0: And that wraps up our episode on motherhood. Thanks for listening.